Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Level 99. I'm your host, Pete, podcast about all things tech related, DevOps, Cloud, Linux, you name it. And today is going to be a really good one because drum roll, please. We have Jay back for another episode joining us today. And actually, Jay, you're, I think you're one of my first guests on this podcast journey that I've had. So thank you and, and appreciate your, you coming back today. Thanks so much for having me on again. Um, I, I did not know I was one of your first guests, so it, it truly is an honor. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the, the episode we did together the first time, I think it still is one of my highest rated episodes, just to oh. put it out there. Very cool. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but you know, it might have been your guest speaker that caused that. Right? <laughs> I'll give it to you. I will definitely give it to you. Another fun caveat for everyone who is listening: a lot of shit has changed since the last time we both talked and since we chatted. Funny enough, we both have proposed to our significant others unknowingly to each other in the same format. That just blew my mind when, when you told me. I was like, there's no way. Um, yeah. <clears throat> just to set the record state uh, straight, I, I did it first. Um, so <laughs> I was the original one that had the idea. Um, but no, it was, it was you know, first, congratulations to you because yours was more recent. But um, yeah, I think when we were talking on the phone and, you know, um, you were telling me how you did it and, and the hot air balloon, that was, I... I was holding myself back because I was so happy for you and, and trying to congratulate you. But I also wanted to say, are you kidding me? This, I like, are you like joking? Did you find like my Facebook somehow or like my friends? I thought you were joking with me or like playing a prank or something, but um, it's, it's really crazy how we ended up doing the same thing. <laughs> Congratulations to you as well. When we talked about it, it's funny how we came to the same conclusion through different routes. Like <laughs> I kind of put mine together because I saw one of my friends recently who got married. They went to uh, somewhere, I think maybe it was Istanbul or somewhere in Turkey. And they had all these, like, there's like a festival of hot air balloons. Mm -hmm. That's, that was part of their uh, excursion package, I guess they did uh, from the hotel. I was like, this is phenomenal. I wonder if we have that here in, in the US. I want to do that for my proposal. And then when you told me about yours, I was like, there's no way. Like, <laughs> I will admit, you did it first, but it's funny how we came to the same conclusion. That was just hilarious. It's, yeah, it was incredible. Um, uh, both of us had, had good views. So just for those listening, um, Pete did his in on the East Coast in uh, the Shenandoah region, I think. Um, yes. And then uh, I did ours on the West Coast uh, around the Napa Valley region. So we both got exquisite views just on the opposite coast. I think they were like a month apart. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that was a really cool coincidence. It'd be funny if uh, if I pull another guess and they did theirs in the Midwest. That'll <laughs> just cover go. the whole thing, right? <laughs> just covered all the bases, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining. And the topic that we're going to cover today is one that is fascinating to me because you just don't really picture this happening these days of all of the HR trainings we get, all of the known kind of issues that happen. This is kind of one of the, you know, security 101, I would say that happens. But what the topic we're going to be talking about is the Uber hack and a few others just kind of relate to it, but mostly the Uber hack. Uh, Jay, I'm gonna let you kick it off. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, 
I think you know most listeners might be familiar or should be familiar with with Uber uh, ride sharing service. Uh, if you're not, um, they recently were in the news a few weeks ago um, that their internal systems why were breached by an attacker. Um, and you know, I'd love to kind of dissect that. Um, I was a, a security engineer in my past life, so I'm happy to kind of dissect that um, for our listeners. And, and kind of talk about the different <clears throat> stages of the attack. So things like initial access, um, how do we, how did the attacker move laterally? And then ultimately what did they leave with? Um, because the same thing, uh, same methodology is used time and time again for a lot of organizations. Um, and this particular attacker actually breached Uber, um, I think on a Friday and then Rockstar games on the Saturday and leaked GTA six, uh, game material, which was crazy but um yeah <laughs> so that's just a quick quick and dirty of of uh you know some of the, the highlights around that uber attack the fact that this wasn't his first rodeo was baffling and and, and the fact that he was able to do it back to back because usually you hear about the same group or or person or individual they usually space them out apart but this individual just said whatever i'm going all in <laughs> I know yeah. we're gonna go further into this, but I'm I am kind of I'll hold this I'll hold this this uh, idea uh, this for further on. I think we all kind of know the basics, right? He, this individual he just started posting saying, "Hey, you've been breached." So let's let's kind of dive into that. How did how did he do it? Sure, yeah, great question. So um, for any attack, uh, any cyber attack. Um, and and we can follow along with this uh, in the MITRE attack framework. So um, it, it's a framework of the typical cyber attack that happens um, based on um, based on things we've seen uh, in in the real world, based on uh, advanced persistent threats, uh, bad actors, nation states, uh, based on patterns of behavior. Right. So um, really, it it starts with that that initial access. Um, how do we get um, that initial access to the network? Um, and what do we do after that? As an attacker, I want to get behind either a perimeter firewall or some sort of uh, inside method in. So uh, in this case, uh, in a lot of cases as well, it was through um, phishing uh, combined with, um, with uh, MSA. Um, I don't want to call it an exploit <laughs> because it, it technically wasn't, but ultimately exploiting uh, the human element, right? Um, so the the attacker spammed um the the particular employee um of uber with a bunch of mfa requests like hey make this approval right now make this approval right now make this approval right now and, and the employee maybe not thinking anything maybe they thought one of their scripts or uh something was was broken um or they were trying to refresh something um <clears throat> they uh approved um they approved all of those messages uh and ironically they were sent via whatsapp i mean that's that's the first thing that i would question right like <laughs> what if i if i have you know a particular mfa like octa or ping id um they might send me a text message or they, they might send me a, a request through the uh the app itself i don't think i don't expect them to send me something through whatsapp and so that should have been you know the first uh first flag to authenticate that request um but that initial access started with that use that attacker bombarding that user um, with um, MFA requests and creating that MFA fatigue, um, and then they they impersonated an IT member 
um, and then ultimately grabbed their uh, credentials. So that piece, that piece of the initial access was social engineering. Um, sometimes we use phishing where, where we'll send a, 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 you know, malicious or suspicious email or something for some user to click on um, and grab their credentials, grab something of theirs, and then we can start to impersonate them. So ultimately that's, that's how it started. It, it, the fact that it was on WhatsApp is just, like you said, I get so many random notifications on WhatsApp all the time. And I'm like, how did you even get my number? And it's it just, I, so I just, if I don't have your number saved, I automatically just straight delete your, your message. And, and to your point, right? So if it's not directly from the app, then what makes you think this was legit? So maybe it was, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, there's been times where, you know, I'm working and I've had a really rough day and I've just been pretty much battered. And I just start fat fingering, making mistakes. So maybe on the off chance that like, they just weren't seeing straight, because you know, once it's five, six o'clock, and you've had a rough day, everything looks the same. And I let's just play devil's advocate here. At the same time, I want to know how they were able to kind of get this individual's number. So was it through maybe through conferences? Because you know, when you go through these conferences. You're always swiping your badge, giving away your number, your your work email. I always make a habit of putting a fake number in <laughs> so I don't get contacted. But maybe one of those companies, you know, they got hacked. They got their contact information, but don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think in, in a lot of cases, um, it's it's typically a known where bad actors would, would get that type of... Um, that detail but i think in this case uh security researchers found that uh likely what happened was that bad actor um purchased uh the the contractor's uh corporate password and, and credentials on the dark web right so um in addition to hey human users reusing their passwords across different environments um let's say you use a password for shopping on amazon and then you also use it for your internal employee credentials at uber mm -hmm. um or any any company um, I just have to buy those Amazon credentials. I'm not even targeting Uber, right? And then I just do a spray attack where I try that credential everywhere possibly um, that I could. And so um, it's likely that it was purchased on the dark, dark web along with their own personal information, right? So we have healthcare breaches, financial systems breaches all the time. So really we can piece together um, an entire profile for a particular person um, based on these things that exist out on the dark web available for purchase. It's so I like to keep my identity and privacy as much as I can for what is worth, right? Nothing is anymore these days. But before I really started being concerned, I would always get alerts through, I think it was Capital One or, or all these other companies saying, hey, your email has been found on the dark web. This has been found on the dark web. So ever since then, I've taken a bigger footprint towards it. So, oh, it's been. Uh, they found it, delete it. I just delete that email address. I don't care. I could change the password, but I'd rather be safe, right? One extra step of me being annoyed for a few weeks of changing things. So how how old was was this individual? Um, that's a good question. I don't. I think I've read several different um, sources saying he was just eighteen. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Did you see that? Yeah, seventeen. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> seventeen years old, life gone. And that was just, I'm a little disappointed, mainly for the fact that 
it takes talent to do the things that they do. And that could have, he could have had a very successful career in my opinion. I think he still can. Um, being, being so young, um, they're probably going to be lenient uh, on him. Mm -hmm. And also, even if they're not, um, a lot of companies, they're going to see that, um, whether, you know, we can agree or disagree about how easier or complex the attack was. Ultimately he did do that. Right. And so, um, he could ultimately end up with a, uh, a job outside of uh, you know after the prison sentence if that even comes to it right so um he could become a security researcher uber could even hire him um as a security consultant i've seen that happen a lot right to mm -hmm. former um former bad actors so um <clears throat> i think you know i would have done things a little bit differently <laughs> uh not illegally you know not not exfiltrated data maybe uh, you know, uh, submitted some things through their bug bounty program that they had through Hacker One um, to let them know, hey, you know, you have some uh, some vulnerabilities here or whatever the case may be. But um, so we call that responsible disclosure. Um, so I, I would have handled it that way. But you know, it's possible that he doesn't necessarily, you know, get the book thrown at him. He's probably gonna end up with a job or, or some sort of um, some sort of uh, you know engagement that'll help him for his longer term career. Uh, it also, from what I read, it wasn't his first time doing this. So it sounds like he's, uh, yeah, he sounds like he's, uh, he's head of a little, they call like, I think they, one of the articles I read, they call like a head of a syndicate. So he's, oh, it's not his first time. <laughs> and he's, he, okay. he got, I think he got charged maybe earlier this year. Different articles said different things. So I, I don't, I can't really yeah. fully. Was it Lulsec? So I have to find that exactly which article it was. I, I like to go through Apple News because if you search for something, it gives you 20 different articles to kind of read through, which is kind of nice. I like that. Do you think, in your opinion, this was also a failure on multi-factor SSO for not catching this? Um, I don't think so. Uh, or rather, the, the blame doesn't necessarily be uh, have to be only on the MSA, for example, um, because ultimately it was doing what it was designed to do, um, trying to authenticate a user and, and send some sort of one-time code or some sort of additional authentication based on um, a, a second factor, right? So something a user had. Um, and the first factor being uh, something you know, which is your password. Another factor is something you have. And then the third factor is something you are. Um, and so uh, ultimately, I think, the MFA piece worked as it should. I think um, where a lot of, including in this one, a lot of organizations um, find themselves in a bind is that human element, right? So um, <clears throat> I think being a little bit more vigilant or guarded, uh, you know, having that extra, um, taking a step back and, and saying, why is my MFA reaching out via WhatsApp, for example, right? Um, and then also, as far as like an organizational wide um, failure, I would say, or maybe even like bad practice, um, I think, you know, <clears throat> not rotating uh, keys and passwords more frequently. I think you mentioned it, you know, uh, longer lift passwords, things like that. Um, if that user's uh, credential was um, exfiltrated from some other organization or some other breach and then purchased on the dark web, that means it lived long enough. Uh, and existed long enough for this bad actor to take advantage of. So I think um, the second thing to improve that would have been to uh, rotate those passwords and keys more frequently. Um, and then you could also use uh, like a hardware-based um, uh, token. So if you think uh, 
you know, those six-digit tokens sometimes you get with those RSA uh, tokens or like a YubiKey. Uh, sometimes those physical access type uh, tokens uh, can help mitigate against these as well. I, I'm a big fan of MFA. So I like to put, uh, we have multi-factor. So I like to put it on anything and everything that allows me to. The one thing I will admit that I hate the most is the ones where some of these companies haven't changed it and they still send you text messages <laughs> or emails. I'm like, come on. Yeah, it's 2022. <laughs> just why can't I just use either like all this? Like I could either use uh, Google, Microsoft, Apple Authenticator, and it's just so much smoother. Get this, and then that also leaves you open to being um, what is it? I think there's a specific name for it. Uh, sim swapping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sim swapping, where if you're high target profile, they can pretend that you're the I mean, doing other social engineering. So social engineering is surprisingly still the biggest way of a breach so funny enough i don't know if you if you remember this but i think it was in june or july marriott got hacked mm -hmm. and it was because somebody walked in pretending they were important <laughs> went up straight to the front desk and downloaded i think it was some large amount of uh data off of their computer and just walked out wow there was no uh no, nothing important I, by important i mean that would affect the infrastructure of Marriott from my understanding, but it was more of personal information of, of clients. So first name, last name, and credit cards, which was even more devastating in my opinion. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, uh, that information can be valuable, especially in bulk, right? Think of how many customers uh, or um, people that, that would attend Marriott events, stay at those hotels. Um, potentially worldwide, depending on the scope of the database. And so selling that on the dark web could be a lucrative for the bad actor. And then also lucrative for anybody who purchases that information, because then they could potentially carry out an, uh, an attack like we just saw in Uber. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now this, this Uber attack, that kid, he was a, a little bit of a troll. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> I would say I agree. Yeah. <laughs> So for those who might not know exactly what I'm, what I'm referring to, do you mind kind of giving a little background on why? <laughs> um, there's, a, I mean, a couple of, one, he was, um, I think from my perspective, um, he was talking to a lot of security researchers through, uh, you know, WhatsApp and, and just, just explaining the anatomy of the attack and how he got through past the VPN and then how he discovered mm -hmm. the credentials on the network share. Um, but then even beyond that, um, I think just once he was inside the system, going through their internal Slack system, Slack channels, uh, Confluence pages, and and you know saying things like you know Uber has been hacked, pay me uh, I think one BTC or something like that. Um, but yeah, just I think uh, again this was not a responsible disclosure, so we can't really expect any sort of professionalism or responsibility, you know, for, yeah. for this type of attack. But, um, yeah, were those along the lines, what you were thinking? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It, the fact that he was just doing that, I thought that was just putting salt <laughs> on their wound. Just grab what you want and go at this point. I would, it's just, it's just dirty. <laughs> yeah. I would have hated to be, uh, Uber's, uh, security and response engineers on that weekend. I, so that, that's another thing that I kind of wanted to talk to you about also was, Nowadays, having a center of operations, so a knock, a sock, and things like that is so common and, and, and uh, like necessary. So they won't probably won't tell us, but I kind of want to know how did this get by their sock, right? Because if you have 
And I, I wonder if they maybe, you know, use some kind of VPN to pretend their IP is this individual users, which don't know. I didn't read anything about that, but this individual is logging in from UK and this person's maybe in, I don't know, let's say uh, South America. I don't know where this person was from. I'm surprised they weren't concerned. Hey, why is this person logging at two different locations? Yeah, that's a really good thought and logically makes sense, right? But um, if we kind of peel the top few layers back a little bit, um, we look at that initial access. And so from, you know, from a security engineer's perspective or incident response engineer's perspective, um, all of the logs that would be coming into a, you know, a SIM tool like Splunk, for example, they're going to look legitimate because that, yes. that attacker is impersonating that employee. Um, and it's, it's just as easily to grab, even though it might be in the UK, grab a VPN, um, IP cider block that is reflective of like San Francisco for example, mm -hmm. right. Or New York, wherever that user is, um, and impersonate them. <clears throat> so, and, and that's. Ultimately, one of the, the failures, or I would say a problem point of VPN, um, I think you had an episode a while back around yes. VPNs, and um, I told you I disagreed with something <laughs> there, but, you know, we'll, we'll come back to that. But, uh, you know, with, with VPNs, you know, we ultimately care, uh, you know, where the user is, um, mm -hmm. not really who they are. And, in you know, that worked for a traditional data center where we had everything in a physical location, but with everything with that's cloud-based, um, and, you know, breaking down those perimeters, breaking down those network boundaries and even geographies. Um, now it doesn't necessarily matter where the user is, where the requester is. It ultimately matters who they are. That's why we need to always verify their identity, right? That authentication piece has to happen at, at every step of the way. Ultimately, we fail. So going back to this attack, um, the request, the original request would have looked legitimate. Um, and then the... Um, uh, once that attacker got got in, um, after getting onto the VPN, um, they got access to the internal network. They started scanning, um, seeing what was available. So um, when I did pen testing, we had we took a look at what IP ranges were available and started scanning um, for any uh, open ports, any open hosts, whatever it might be. But also things like if I found like an Isilon storage cluster uh, network share, start scanning those. And that's exactly what this attacker did. Um, he found. Um, some, some script, um, where an admin login username and password, um, were stored in a PowerShell script that was sitting on a network there. Um, I, I don't remember what the, the script did, but, um, it was probably something that, you know, endpoints needed to reach back out to the network share. Like, let's say I need to install software, join myself into domain, whatever it might be. Um, and so. Once again, if I'm running as that script, or even if I grab those credentials, um, I'm going to look legitimate because that's a legitimate account. Um, and then we're going to start the lateral movement portion. And then this attacker, you know, started getting access to Slack, Confluence, their AWS um, uh, resources, their HackerOne uh, bug bounty program. And so um, all of that traffic is, again, going to look legitimate to, um, a, you know, a normal um, SIM solution or SIM yeah. within logs, right? And so, um, whether it's with, whether it's using AI ML, it, you know, trying to analyze those logs that come in, or maybe it's a human, um, sock or knock responder that tries to analyze that traffic, it is ultimately going to look legitimate. And so mm -hmm. that's why we can't rely on 
uh, only those as mitigations or only the the um, gatekeepers, right? We have to think of security as an onion and we have to have layered security. So the human element, the, the ML AI um, SIM solution might be a, a, a layer and then also authenticating. Now, if we had authenticated um, this, this uh, attacker's uh, attempt to use those uh, credentials that were in a PowerShell script, like every time those credentials were, those admin credentials were used, let's authenticate that again. Um, or if we're trying to access Slack or AWS or some other, other internal thing, um, you know, let's authenticate again or authorize. Like, is this admin account really supposed to have access to Slack or AWS resources? Mm -hmm. um, and so that that dramatically increases the the blast radius, right? So in a long-winded way, in a roundabout way, um, I, I think um, ultimately um, it would have looked legitimate to to even a competent security engineer uh, or an incident response person. And um, that's where we have to kind of rely on additional mitigations to um to prevent these sorts of attacks i completely agree with everything you said and, and there's one thing you just mentioned that i was kind of hey everyone so definitely appreciate all of you tuning in for this week's episode of part one of the uber hack breakdown can't wait for next time for part two until then take care <laughs>